Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Man, we welcome you here tonight. You would turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16. So glad to have everyone with us on this Saturday evening. It's a great time to be in the house of God. Amen. Amen. It's always good to be in the house of God. The psalmist wrote, I was glad when they said unto me. He said, I was excited at the invitation. I can't say that about everywhere I've ever been. But when you come to a house of God where the presence of the Lord is, it should be uplifting. Amen. People have told me over the years, I wish I could just stay here. They would say to me, guests that come in, and can I just stay here? Can I just sleep here, they say. Why? And I'd ask them, well, I feel something here. I feel peace. I don't feel it anywhere else, they tell me. But how many know that's the presence of God? It's not the building. It's not 1365, but it becomes a place of God's dwelling. Amen. We're thankful, thankful for that. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. I was out of town last weekend preaching and went to good old, somebody called it West by God, Virginia. We know the Lord made it. Went home and got to see some amazing people that I grew up with, hadn't been, been, been around them many years. And was blessed to go back and be in my hometown and, and uh, got to preach also on Sunday morning for my dad in Ripley. Had a, just a, amazing what God's done through their ministry and planting a church there that's becoming established and they've got a building that's been purchased and refurbished and uh, and it's exciting to see. You know, when the Bible talks about in the last days, evil men will wax worse and worse. And it talks about that the moral decay of society is just going to, it's just going to get worse. But he also says in the same, same word of God that in the last days he's going to pour his spirit on all flesh. And there's going to be a church. And what's so beautiful about it is, is where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And when you look at it, Joel even said, in the last days. Somebody say the last days. He said in the last days. He said sons and daughters are going to prophesy. There's going to be young people in the last days. They're going to love God no matter how bad the world is. Do you believe that? There's going to be older men, younger men, older ladies, younger ladies that are going to love God. Amen. God's going to always have a church. Oh, it's a great thing to be a part of the church of the living God. Amen. Amen. Remain standing. Now, let me preach for a minute before I get to the text. Let me, let, me, let me talk to you for just a second. All of these preachers showed up in D.C. years and years ago at some national day of prayer and everybody's talking about how bad everything was. One preacher got up and talked about how bad the politics were. Somebody else got up and talked about all these statistics with our young people. Our nation's in trouble. Our politics are in trouble. Our young people are in trouble. Somebody got up and talked about it. We need to pray for, for our economy because the economy's not in trouble. Said so all of a sudden, after all of that negativism, there was some short statured, powerful black preacher that got up there. He said, I've heard of you talking about all our politics and our president and our young people and our nation's in trouble. He said, can I tell you, God's not in trouble. <laughs> Amen. That's how I feel tonight. God's not in trouble. 
He's not in trouble. He's on the throne and he's high and lifted up. And if we would just follow him, it's gonna work out. There's an old song that says, hold to God's unchanging hand. When on life things, amen, you see these things in this world, you can hold on to him. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, you can hold on to God. Amen, amen, amen. My brother used to sing in church. I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. Do you believe that? Before we read the word, I want you to lift your hands and lift your heart and tell God, Lord, I need you to steer me and to guide me, Lord. Lord, you have a path that's prepared in this world we live in of godliness and protection and righteousness and purity. I thank you for this way. Isaiah called it the way of holiness. No lion shall tread there. It's a way of protection. It's where the park's ground becomes a pool. Oh Lord, you're here today and we thank you for it. Amen. I feel the Lord in this room. How many feel God here today? Praise God. First Samuel chapter 16. First Samuel chapter 16. In verse one, it says, the Lord said unto Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul? See, and I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill thy horn with oil and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. Verse 10, again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. Samuel said unto Jesse, are, are here all thy children? I know the Lord sent me to anoint one of your sons and seven of them have passed before me, but God hasn't chosen them. Do you have any more sons? And, and Samuel, and, and, and he said, there remaineth yet the youngest. Behold, he keepeth the sheep. Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent, brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. He was young. We understand he was the youngest. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Can you say amen? Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren and the Spirit. Notice capital S, God's Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. I'd like to preach from this portion of Scripture. Simply the anointing makes the difference. The anointing makes the difference. Everybody say the anointing. Would you praise him again before you're seated? Thank you for your word. Thank you for what we feel. Hallelujah. 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 God bless you as you are seated. Jesus is standing. Actually, he's in the synagogue and he's synagogue is a Jewish facility like this, except for Christians, we call it a church. Jesus is teaching the Jewish people there and he, he brings 
reads from the book of Isaiah, from Isaiah chapter 61. And he says it this way, he, he found the place where it was written. In Luke 4 and 18, you can see it recorded. He said, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to sit at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. He closed the book of Isaiah and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. What Isaiah had prophesied is that there was one to come that the spirit of the Lord would set upon him and he would be anointed. When I think of anointed, you know, the Bible says if there's any sick among you, where, where's the anointing oil? Do you have it there at the seat, the, the anointing? Come here, uh, uh, anointing, it, it has two meanings. And uh, <laughs> he knows, doesn't he? Because a few weeks ago, I was pouring water all over their head. I was anointing them, bless God. I said anointing, he said, hold on a minute. <laughs> anointing actually means to smear or, or to pour. I'm not gonna do that right now, but maybe later, maybe. <laughs> Didn't he do a good job tonight? Aren't we proud of him? Amen. You can be seated. Yeah, you know, and when, when someone comes to church and the Bible says, if there's any sick among you, you can call for the elders and they will what? Anoint you with oil. It's a common practice of the apostolic people to go to the hospital and pray, go to the house and pray for someone, even at a church service and pray. And when you, they come up, they obey the scripture. James 5, 14 if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elder church. Let them anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and God will raise them up. Amen. You know, but there's a part of me that we, we take the simpler route by just smearing it. But there's this preacher kid part of me. You know, they say PKs are worse than anybody else. You ever heard that? That's because we hang around saints kids. There's this part of me that says, I'm gonna start, if I have an option, I'm not gonna smear it. I think I'm just gonna start pouring it over everybody that gets up here. You know, you know you're, you're not responding because you're afraid that's gonna be you in the future. But they didn't do like we do in the Bible. When, when David came, when Samuel came to Jesse's house to anoint someone, he, he poured oil. They came with a horn of oil. It was, it was a horn that had been sealed, had a wax top to it. There was, it was a horn of oil. In that oil was mixed cinnamon, calamus, myrrh, cassia in a, in a hen of oil had mixed it together. It was a specific mixture that was sort of a perfume or a cologne, if you will. 
mixed by the apothecary. You read in Exodus chapter 30, mixed. It was a holy anointing oil to anoint the priest with and the ministers with. And it wasn't just olive oil. It wasn't like water. When I dumped water all over you all a while back, I mean, in the service, it's gone. Nobody even knows. I mean, it's evaporated from there. If I would have poured oil on you, it would linger. I mean, after church, your forehead's still gonna be a little bit greasy. It is. When I get done dumping that bottle of oil on you, you know, I'm just teasing. I'm not planning on it, but it, it would soak in. And it, it, it came with, with spices and myrrh. When, when yeah, you ever, you know, growing up in church, there was always some people, they loved cologne. Some ladies, I'm sure they bathed in spices and myrrh before they come to the house of God. You go shake their hand and slide through their hand. They had so much of on them. Yeah. I remember going to church, you know, my mom, when, when I was growing up, my mom would, she, she had, you know, perfume and, and I, <laughs> you know, they have these pulse points. They put this and I remember watching my mom spray her wrist and do this number. Don't ever do that. It's not, that's not manly. Let me tell you something right now. She would put it up here. But I, I, there were certain people at fellowship meetings. I knew as soon as they see me, they're going to hug me. And when they hug me, I'm going to smell like them. The rest, can I get a witness from somebody? They had been, let me tell you something, they had been anointed. Growing up in there, still today when I see them, you know, there's part of just the way the, the social distancing ministry works out. And uh, it's the way it was. If someone was anointed, then it changed them. The atmosphere changed. Go, go into the New Testament. When that woman walked in that room and Jesus was there and nobody had anointed his head, nobody had kissed his face in that greeting the way they would do, no one had washed his feet and she came in desperate for a miracle, desperate for a change. She came in to worship him. She broke an alabaster box of oil worth 300 pence. Some believe it was a year's worth of salary what that oil was worth. When she broke that over his head, you didn't only hear the worship from her. When she fell down a weeping and crying and praising and worshiping him, wiping and his feet with her tears and drying it with her hair. The Bible says no matter where the gospel would be preached, you're gonna preach about this woman. Every preacher that's ever preached has preached about the woman with the alabaster box because she broke the oil on him. She poured worship on him. She poured that. It filled the house. Every little room, every side room, every addition on the house, the fragrance of that place had been changed because of the anointing that she poured on Jesus when she worshiped him. I just want you to understand that praise is a worship. Worship is an atmosphere changer. It changes everything. When people begin to praise him, there's an anointing, there's an aroma that goes with prayer, that goes with worship. Let me stop here for a minute and tell you, when you're in your home and you get on your knees and you start saying, I magnify you. Oh God, you're the creator of the heaven and the earth. You are the almighty God. Lord, there's nothing greater than you. You're the first and you're the last. You're which is and which was. You're my help in the time of trouble. Oh God, I need you. Let me tell you something. The atmosphere of the home begins to change. I mean, no, there's an anointing when we worship him. There's power when we worship him. Something happens when we begin to praise him. 
glory. Anointing. Anointing. Anointed worship. She worshiped him from her heart. It was an outward sign of really what was happening visibly. When she broke the box and poured it over him, she was, she was giving him her all. The atmosphere of the home changed. I've been to places where I couldn't feel God. I've been to churches that was twice dead and plucked up by the roots. I've been there when the atmosphere wasn't anything. It was just formality, it was routine. But there's something happens, Brother Alec, when a young man like you, or one of our seniors, or anybody in between, or even a young child, they begin to lift their hands and sing the songs about the Lord. There's something happens in the atmosphere. How many know it'll cause people to become sober? It'll wake up, it'll cause fear to run out. I feel like preaching on a Saturday, worship, the Bible says praise is comely. It's attractive, it changes the atmosphere. It makes people People want to be there. Hey, can I say tonight, let's be a worshiping church. Let's be a praising church. Let's be a magnifying the Lord church. <laughs> Psalms 100 says, listen, it's not an option. Come here, Sister Caitlin. Brother, brother, y'all getting the same team, Brother Michael. Y'all supposed to be in the same tune anyhow. Get your guitar. Sister Caitlin, come to the keyboard for just a minute. The Bible says in Psalms 150, praise ye the Lord. Somebody shout praise you the Lord. It didn't say if you want to. It didn't say if you feel like it. It didn't say if you, if, 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 if when everybody else is, it just says us individually. Somebody shout praise you the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. It says praise him in his sanctuary and praise him Praise him in the firmament of his power. I preached before COVID ever happened. I preached a two-part series on a Sunday morning, Sunday night. I preached we need to praise him in the sanctuary, the house of God. But now I said, he's not limited to the building. We can praise him at home. We can praise him in the park. We can praise him at Seacrest Auditorium. You can praise him on the way to the doctor's office. You can praise him between your room and the operating table. He's not limited to a building. He can, he can show up anywhere. Somebody shout hallelujah. He said, praise him up on the string instruments. See, it's not just a song being played. It matters the intent in the direction that the instrument is played to. They can play it in a rock band toward the things of the world with some lyrics that aren't right, but it's not gonna bring the spirit of the Lord. A keyboard can be played somewhere at a jazz concert that just whatever it is of just some secular music, maybe clean or not, it doesn't matter. But if it's not focused to the Lord, but you give me somebody that takes their talent and they say, I'm gonna give it to God. And so in the sanctuary, I'm gonna praise him upon the string instruments and then something begins to happen. What is it? What's that I feel? What's that in the room? I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's the spirit of the Lord. It's the anointing of his presence. Hallelujah. And we have songs like, and the spirit of the Lord is here. The spirit of the Lord is here. I can feel him in the atmosphere. The spirit of the Lord is here. We believe that when we praise him, he shows up. Why? Because the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And when people
people start praising him. He always shows up and something begins to take place. So clap your hands and praise him. Hallelujah. And the point I make, it's not the music. It's anointed music. It's God's hand upon the music. It's the direction of the song. It's the intent of the heart. It's the direction of the worship. Let me tell you something. Church is not a concert. Church is a worship place to where we come to mass. He's been good to me. I said he's been good. Look what Psalms 150. Put Psalms 150 on the screen. You can stand or be seated for a minute. I feel like praising him for a moment. Psalms 150 says, praise you the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Look at verse, what it says, praise him in the firmament of his power. That means anywhere. You can be in the mountainside and praise him. You can be in the hills of West Virginia and praise him. You can be camping by the riverbank and praise him. Ladies, you can get a deal coming out of the mall and say, thank you, Jesus. You can praise him. Amen. You can praise him anywhere. You know what I've learned? We just need to praise him. I don't want God to do something for me and me not do anything for him. I just want to praise him. He said, praise him. Praise him. Somebody shout, praise him. According to his excellent greatness. If he's never done anything for you, what he's saying is, you don't have to praise him. But if he's ever done anything for you, oh, I've got a right to lift my hands. Look what he's done for me. I was born crippled. I was born crippled, but God healed my crippled feet on a Wednesday night in church. Oh, yeah, he's been good. And that's why the Bible, read on. Look what it says. It says in verse three, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Read on. Praise him with the timbrel. Oh, I used to have a tambourine. I'd play every now and then in Crooksville. Praise him up on the timbrel and the dance. It's all right to dance before the Lord. I remember when I was growing up, there was a lady had a growth. She, on her body, they had cut it out and come back. They cut it out, it come back, but one night, it had grown back. One night while she was praising God, that thing burst and never came back because when the spirit of the Lord comes over you, there's healing. I feel something here tonight. It don't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how great it is. There's something happens when you praise him. It'll remove fear, anxiety, depression. It'll bring hope, it'll bring joy. Somebody shall praise him. Glory, glory, glory. Praise him in the timbrel dance. Praise him with the string instruments. Hit that, hit that again just for a minute. Woo! Praise him on the sound of the organs. Read on, verse five. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Well, I like quiet church. There's a moment for quiet but I've got Bible for a little loud church service every now and then. Praise him on the loud cymbals. Praise him up on the high sounding cymbals. And to think that God, God can move up on somebody when I'm playing a mouth harp. When Brother Russell's playing the drums and hitting the cymbals. But when it's in unity, when it's with the right intent, in the right direction, it brings heaven down. 
every now and then I come and tell the praise team just remember when you're praising him heaven's coming in the room and when heaven comes in the room anything is possible somebody's life can be changed somebody's direction can be determined look at verse 6 look at verse 6 next verse Doesn't it say, let everything that hath breath? Let everything. Look at that thing beside you, say everything. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. You know what? It doesn't matter if you're in Africa. It's all the same word, hallelujah. It doesn't matter if you're in the U.S., the U.K. It doesn't matter if you're in the continent of South America. It's all one word. It's hallelujah. It's in every language. It means as many praises as I can give God in one word. Come on, on the count of three, I want you to shout hallelujah. One, two, three. Oh, clap your hands and praise him. Amen. You can be seated. Everybody say the anointing makes the difference. And so I'm preaching to you that praise can be anointed. Worship is anointed. Prayer can be anointed. What is the anointing is the question. What did Jesus mean when he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he hath anointed me. When the spirit of the Lord is upon me, it will allow me to do what I cannot do with my natural ability. That's called, that's why in the New Testament, the Bible talks about the gifts of the spirit. Prophecy, word of knowledge, discernment, the gifts of healings, the gifts of miracles, all of these, the gift of tongues, People do things that they could not do on their own when the spirit of the Lord is upon them. Listen, when people come to church, you, I've said this for years. I learned a lot of things pastoring in, in Crooksville, Sister Candy. But one of the things I learned when pastoring there, watching new people, some people, when they first come, they come to church because they want to. But there's times in our life we come to church because we need to. And there's some people that come in not just because they want to, but they had to get there. And when they come in, you're gonna find that they need what is in this house. What's in this house? Not just talented musicians, not just good people, not just the saints of God, but a God that responds to those people and these musicians and those worshipers in the house of God. Everybody say this with me. He inhabits the praises of his people. So when you're talking about the anointing, you're talking about the spirit of God coming upon somebody. When the spirit of God comes upon somebody, you're talking about unlimited resources, unlimited power, the enthroning of God's power. Come here, come here anointed one that does not want me to pour oil on his head. Come, up, come over here, Alec and Lashante. Watch this. What it means is, is when, get up behind the pulpit and you two young men carry this chair up there. Would you do that? When somebody is worshiping God and they are preaching, praying, singing, playing an instrument, I decided to put a chair on your head instead of oil. How about it? 
on this side you lift up the chair and on that side you lift up the chair. When the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Get the, get the bottom ends on that, yeah, because I don't want you to hit him in the head. When the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people, that word actually means he enthrones himself into your life. And when I'm praising God and I forget about what you're doing, what you're doing, it's just me in here with him. I didn't come for anybody else but him. I need him. I need a touch. I need direction. I need healing. I need deliverance. I need, hey, listen, you know why I praise God? Because I'm not God. I'm weak, the song says, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from a wrong, the song says. And when I come to church and I start praising him, it's amazing that you begin to feel this something come over you that you can feel anywhere else in the world. What is it? It's God. And what's happening is, at that moment, you feel the presence of God. God is the, is, is, is enthroning himself into your life. And at that moment, he's bigger than a job crisis. He's bigger than any family crisis. He's bigger than cancer. He's bigger than diabetes. He's bigger than any issue. He comes down and says, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Oh yeah, praise moves God to do great things. He designed us to praise him. Everybody touch your mouth and say that was for the Lord first. You can holler at your kids, holler at your neighbors, sing all kinds of crazy songs, but that mouth was made for him. And when you begin to use that for him, he always shows up in your life. Listen, anybody can praise him. A sinner can praise him. An unholy person can praise him. A preacher can praise him. A saint can praise him. It doesn't matter when people come in or their lives are right. All they gotta do is praise him. You don't have to be right to praise him. You just have to know he's worthy of my praise. If it hadn't been for the Lord, and then God sets himself up in your world. It's called the spirit of the Lord. Everybody say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. You can't deny it. I've been in church and somebody start doing like this. I've seen them do like this. I've seen them just stand there and weep tears dripping off their chin. Why are they so emotional? I looked at my mama when I was five. I was standing somewhere on this side of the church and I looked up and the spirit of the Lord is moving and it wasn't uncommon for somebody to say, woo, hallelujah, praise him. And uh, I, I was in church and you could feel that in the room. You know, it's electrifying. Brother Nehemiah said the problem in churches is when they have electricity, but they're not electrified. I was in church, you could feel the tingle in the room. It was the presence. It was called the power of God. Luke said it's the power of God. I said it's the power of God. And I was there and I looked up at your grandmother, Mama Bounds, and I looked up at her. I was five, I remember. And I tugged on her, on her, on her blouse. And she was crying. I could see tears running down her face. I said, Mom, why are you crying? And I'll never forget what she told me. She said, because I feel the presence of God. That's exactly what she told me. 
Can I tell you something? I have learned to fall in love with. I'm going to tell you, let me just word it this way. I have fallen in love with the presence of God. Every tough moment in my life, I've run to his presence. Every decision moment in my life, I've run to his presence. Because in his presence, Psalm 16 and 11 says, is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I realize it's just another spot on the map in Zanesville, but in God's eye, it's a place where you can find direction. It's a place where you can find clarity. It's a place where you can find new beginnings. It's a start over. It's a do over. Come on. It's a place where you can find healing for your soul. Somebody shout his spirit makes the difference. God has enthroned himself here tonight and there's nothing too big. There's nothing too great. There's no sin too great. There's no obstacle too great for God. Clap your hands and praise him. Thank you. Look at your neighbor and say, God is bigger. He's bigger, he's bigger, he's bigger. God's bigger. I just feel like telling somebody tonight, he's bigger. He's bigger, he's bigger, he's bigger, he's bigger. He's bigger than anything in your life. He's bigger than any giant in your life. He's bigger than any obstacle. He's bigger than any tragic emotion. He's bigger, 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 bigger. God's bigger and he's able. He's able. I was preaching a funeral one time. I was preaching about the glory of God. I could feel the Lord upon me. I have, I could feel him upon me while I was preaching, just like tonight, Sister Tammy. I could feel the Lord upon me at this funeral as I was preaching. I pointed in this direction. I said, God is able to heal your heart. A lady that was sitting there, she thought I meant her physical heart. In my mind, I was thinking broken heart. I'm at a funeral. She had a physical heart condition and when I said it, she believed and was instantly healed of a heart condition. Instantly healed of a physical heart condition because she believed when I said God is able. You know why? She could feel the spirit of the Lord upon that preacher. She could feel it upon me. I feel it right now. There is nothing you've walked in here with tonight that's too big for God to fix. There's nothing. God can fix anything. Come on, I preached, I preached, I preached over 5,000 times. I know what I'm talking about. God's able to do something in this room right now that can forever change the trajectory, that can ever for change the mind. The spirit, I know what I feel. The Lord is here to do marvelous things. Somebody shout, the Lord is here. Oh, I can feel him in my hands. We sing that. I can feel him in my feet. I feel him in my heart. I feel him all over me. God's not dead. He's alive. Somebody said, well, how do you believe in a God you've never seen? I say, well, you, you believe in wind that you've never seen. You believe in air. Just stop breathing it. You'll see God, amen. It's like that astronaut went up in space and he was an atheist. He said, I didn't see God anywhere. And somebody said, you'd taken your helmet off, you would have. Real fast. Never seen the wind, but I believe in it. And in John 1 and 8, he tells us about the wind. He said, when the Spirit, Sister Taylor, when the Spirit of the Lord moves into room, he said, it's going to be like the wind. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound of it. You can't tell where it came from and where it's going to, but you know it was there. Why? Three reasons you know the wind exists. You've never seen it. First Peter says, loving him who is invisible. I've never seen God. And yet I've committed my whole entire life to preaching about him. Every day to praying to him. 
all of my emotion to sing toward him. Why? Because I know he's real. For I can feel him in my soul. How do you know the wind is real? Everybody hold up three fingers. I'm going to show you how you know the wind is real. Number one, you can feel the wind. It used to blow through my hair. You could feel it. Number two, you can hear it. You can hear it. Number three, you can see the effects of it. You can't see it, but it's making a difference. And a church service is that way. So you, you feel it, you hear it, and you can see the effects of it. And when you come to church and all of a sudden they start singing and next thing you know, you go, whoa, what's that I feel? Goosebumps on your arms, hair standing up on the back of your neck. What is that? It's the presence of God. Come on, Acts chapter two. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as, as, as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all of the house where they were sitting. There appeared in them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. They heard it. They felt it and they saw the effects of it. Listen, when I got the Holy Ghost, I was, it was February 28th, uh, 22nd, 1987. I was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Med preached about the Holy Ghost. I would crawl in bed with my brother when he got the Holy Ghost because the Bible says, you know, set the man be born of water and spirit can enter into the kingdom of God. And, and uh, man, when he got the Holy Ghost, I was like, I'm gonna make sure I go get in bed with him so when the trumpet sound, I can get a hold of his foot. You know how kids think, I'm gonna get a hold of his foot. When he goes up, I'm gonna go up with him, I said. But I preached about the Holy Ghost. You can have it, it's for you and your children and all. I remember going to the altar, lifting my hands. They were worshiping, I was lifting, had my hands, I was eight years old. And I was just praising them, oh God, I love you, I thank you. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost came on me. I felt the Spirit of the Lord come upon me. It made me wanna leap. It made me wanna shout hallelujah. I cried and I wept because the creator of the whole universe is touching this individual heart that's maybe not significant to a lot of people, but I was eight years old and important to him. All of a sudden, just like in Acts chapter two, I began to speak in a language I could not understand. I could hear it in last 1 Corinthians 14 says, but your understanding isn't fruitful. I didn't know what I was saying except I was worshiping God in spirit. I heard it. I've seen the effects of it. I've watched people repent of their sins and get up never to battle the addiction again. Get up again. Violent people become gentle giants. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord makes a difference. Would you clap your hands and say he makes a difference? It's real. It's real. Man, I feel like shouting tonight. I do. I, I, I know it's old fashioned, but I still feel like running the aisles and jumping up and down, dancing before the Lord and talking about his goodness. He's been so good to me. He really has been good to me. He has. He's been good. He's been good. He's been good. He's been good to me. Somebody shout, he's been good to me. Makes me want to praise him. When you're talking about the anointing, everybody say the anointing. I'm talking about... The spirit of the Lord. And they would take oil. They would take oil and they would pour it over them. Hand me a bottle of water. They would. They would. They would. They would. 
They would pour it all over them. They would. You need anointing, I know. They would pour it over them. And when they would, the aroma of that person made a difference. When they walked into a room, it was, the Bible says praise is comely. The, the anointing was very attractive. It, it, it covered up them and promoted him. The Bible says, it, it, like the favor of God, it's like precious ointment. Precious ointment of God. A good name is rather to be chosen than precious oil. The anointment, the anointing is attractive. And it's what makes sinners repent. It's what causes hopeless people to find hope. Because there's something there and you go on the job and you've been praying that morning tears. I served on a board in town. I served on a board in this community. And I went in, I'd have been in prayer. I served on the school board for 10 years and one school board in this community. I was in prayer and God began to deal with me and gave me a word. I walked into that board with the anointing of the Lord up on me and I began to tell him, I said, I've been praying this morning. They know I'm a preacher. They're not surprised. And I said, the Lord gave me a word for this group this morning. This is what we need to do. We created an entire position to hire because of what God gave me a word. And they were weeping and crying in some of those meetings I've been in. Why? Not because of Aaron Bounds, but because there was something with me that's beyond me. Come on, it brings comfort. The anointing, when you walk in the room, it'll bring comfort. It'll bring peace. When David would walk into a room, there would bring hope. There would bring joy. That's what we need in Zanesville. We need more Holy Ghost-filled people with the anointing of God. When they show up at events, they can come in and people want to be around you on the job because you bring something they can't get from alcohol, they can't get from money, they can't get from the world, they can't get from anywhere else. How many know Jesus has everything we need? And that's why we love the church is because we can feel his presence. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Everybody say the anointing makes the difference. You give me an anointed young man like you can turn the world upside down when you give it all to God. And, 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 and Samuel the prophet shows up at Jesse's house and he said the Lord has sent me to anoint one of your sons and from the oldest to the youngest for the call. Emily from the oldest to the youngest. So it was customary. The oldest gets it all, you know. Well, it's not him. God, same as the Lord said, not him. I've, I've not chosen him. Not chosen him. Not chosen him. Seven sons. Samuel says to the dad, hey, you got any more boys? Well, there's one on the hillside keeping the sheep. Let me tell you something. What God loved about David is what he was doing when nobody was looking you see, God sees what you do when nobody's looking. And the Lord had seen what he was doing when nobody knew who he was. Even Jesse didn't know what he was doing. But somewhere alone on the side of a hill, by himself with a string instrument in his hand, a harp, he'd write songs to the Lord. Songs like, the Lord is my shepherd. He's looking over the pastures of the beautiful fields, the luscious grounds and still waters and knowing from the heart of a shepherd what he wants for a sheep. But he was saying, I'm a shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. 
I'll walk through valleys of the shadow of death, but I'll fear no evil because the shepherd never leaves the sheep. He's always there for me. He always provides. He calms my storms. He's praising him and God seen him. He saw him in a bedroom praying when nobody understood why he wasn't at the event, but he was seeking God and in the backside of a bedroom somewhere with a string instrument, with a harp in his hand, with a song, with a prayer, with a Bible in his hand, reading and studying God's soul. I've got something for him that's greater than him. What he doesn't know, he's about to conquer lions and bears. He's about to become a king of a nation. He's about to set an entire nation. He doesn't know it yet, but I can see what he's gonna, can I tell you, God saw you when you were in the womb and God has a plan, but if you can just get along with me for a while, God's gonna unfold that plan in your life. There's a difference maker in you. There's a deliverance in you. Somebody say amen. And when he said, well, I've got one. Hey, he's out in the hills somewhere, you know. Well, he said, send for him. We're not gonna, none of us are gonna sit until he gets, we're, not, we're all gonna stand until he gets here. And when he came and he saw him, that old prophet, that old prophet Samuel, that not one of his words ever fell to the ground. When he saw him, the Lord says, this is him who I, whom I have chosen. This is him. When he comes, he, come here. Where's that bottle of water? Huh? Man, that's why I lose stuff all the time. I don't know where I leave it. Thank you, Brother Shante. Bring that, bring that up here. I'm proud of you, these young people loving God. You look at all these young people here tonight. Hey, don't listen to the news and tell you young people don't, do not want this. Don't, don't listen to that lie. It's a lie that says young people do not want to live for God. It's not true. There is a generation that has risen up and God said, they're mine. Come on, Elijah. I've got 7,000 never bent their knee to bail. There, there's a ton of people that the heart is toward the Lord. I'm glad we have a church that honors that. Aren't you glad we can honor young people? Man, this is powerful here right now. Come here. And when you... When, 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 when nobody was looking, you kept a good attitude. All of a sudden, old prophet takes the wax top off of that horn of oil and he starts pouring over his head and it literally does. It, it, he didn't smear it, he poured it all over him. He doused it. Give me another bottle. I'm just teasing. He doused him. Hey, not this little dab will do you stuff. Just give me five minutes of a touch of God. Uh -uh. It was never intended to have Taco Bell, Burger King, Wendy's church services where preacher get, just, just, just let me feel a touch of God. We got to get beyond this. When I grew up, there was a lingering. There was, I want all I can have of him. I want to be saturated in his presence. Come on. Come on. I've seen it and I've experienced it. People drunk in the Holy Ghost, literally. <laughs> they laugh and the joy of the Lord carry them out of church drunk in the Holy Ghost. It's real. It's in the Bible. And they come out with no hangover. They don't come out with chaos. Their world somehow in the presence of God has been put in order instead of fall apart. Why? Because God is a master carpenter. He knows how to put things together. If I can just get in his presence. And he's saturated in the oil of God. And they step back and they can smell it. The aroma of peace and joy. 
And all of a sudden, David, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. Do you feel what I'm preaching? Because you're representing every young person and every person in this room right now. There's no one in this room that God wants to pass you by. He has something specific for your life that's great and amazing. Talents and giftings that are going to surface through the anointing of God. And, 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 and when he leaves there, when he leaves there, he's no longer just David with a song. He's the anointed king of Israel. Now he carries authority. Now nothing can take you out unless it's your time. Nothing. You're preserved, protected. There's going to be oppositions. But with the anointing comes something beyond you. Shy people become bold. Timid people become fighters. Are you hearing me? And he's out in the woods and he's keeping his dad's sheep and a lion comes out of the woods. Y'all have a little bit of time? I've just hit halftime. I'm just teasing. I'll be done in a little bit. A lion comes out of the woods and grabs a hold of one of those sheep. Now, I know what the natural thing is to do. Run! He chases the lion down and kills him to spare the sheep and pulls the wounded lamb out of his mouth and carries him as a shepherd would. Another day, a bear came out of the woods. I shot at a bear one time in the woods with a bow and arrow 20 yards away. That's what I look like. Monty, that's what I look like when I was hunting. I shot and missed somehow. I don't know how I missed. When I shot it around one way, I ran as fast as I could the other way. I literally jumped in my truck up on top of a mountain was hitting a lock button like this. You know, so the bear could get in an unlocked vehicle, you know, scared. He wasn't, it wasn't David. It was the spirit of the Lord that was on him. It caused him to be able to do supernatural things. He chased the bear down, killed it with his hands and spared the sheep. Something was happening in the privacy of his life with God, with the anointing of the Lord, something powerful was happening in his walk with God because God was preparing him for a moment. And there's a moment that there's going to be a Goliath that's nine and a half feet tall that's opposing the people of God. And he makes this statement. And don't ever forget what I'm going to tell you tonight. Listen, that, listen let me be, I've been preaching like an evangelist, but let me be your pastor for a moment. Goliath stands nine and a half feet tall. He is the champion of the Philistines, which is an almost a never ending battle for Israel. He's nine and a half feet tall and he makes this statement standing in the valley of Ephes de Mim, which means the valley of the blood. He's standing there, Brother Brenton and Elena, and he says this statement and the Bible says, belongeth to Judah. Anybody know what Judah means? Somebody shout praise. David's the most praising person in all of scripture. And he's, brother, brother Brown, sister Annie, he stands, Goliath is standing in the valley of Ephes de Mim at Judah. And he says this statement, send me a man to fight. And with a roar of a thundering Goliath voice, send me a man to fight. And if he conquers me, we will serve you as a nation. But if I conquer you here, 
If I conquer him here, he said, you will all be servants to me. You will all be in bondage to me. What he said was true. If I ever conquer Judah, you will be slaves to me. You give me a church that stops praising him, I'll give you a church that has bondage. Give me a church that doesn't worship and I'll give you a church that has no authority over the enemy in this world. But you give me a church that'll praise him. You give me a church that'll hold the fort at Judah that says no, no Goliath gonna steal my praise. There's not gonna be any, any, any enemy. There's, there's not gonna be any situation that's gonna stop me from getting to the house of God. Can I preach for a few minutes to tell you there's power when you praise him. There's something happens when you magnify him. Let's jump to our feet and clap our hands, everybody, and praise him right now. There's power in praise. Remain standing. So I shout, there's power in praise. There's something happens when you clap your hands. I believe it. There's something happens when you, don't go away, David. You got a Goliath to kill. And come here for a minute. And a church that does not recognize young warriors will lose the fight. But there was something in a moment that all of Israel needed, lied upon an anointed young man because Saul didn't believe it. But there was somebody among them that did. There was a young generation that was coming on that said, I don't care how big the battle is. I don't care how bad the world gets. I don't care how immoral it becomes. I'll stand for Jesus. I'm gonna live for the Lord. Come on, I know what I'm preaching right now. I will do what God wants me to do. Would you clap your hands and praise him again? I'm closing, I promise. It echoed from the valley and David came to bring his brothers cornbread, food. He hears, a, he hears a voice crying out of the valley. Send me a man to fight. And David goes, somebody says, hey, 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 did you hear that? Did you hear it? Yeah, yeah. What's gonna happen to the guy that kills Goliath? Oh man, he's gonna get the king's bride. No more taxes. That's what I'm shouting about right there. April 15th around the corner. He goes to somebody else and says, Hey, did y'all hear that? He said, send me a man to fight. He said, he said, listen, what's gonna happen to the guy that kills the Goliath? I mean, David's not like, y'all remember the cartoon with the buzzard? Nope, 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 nope. We can't live for God that way. David comes to somebody else and says, what's gonna happen to the guy that kills Goliath? Well, he doesn't have to pay taxes anymore. He gets married. He gets the princess as his bride. I don't think he really, really cared about the princess or the taxes. But there was something stirring on the inside. Because when you get the Holy Ghost, something starts stirring on the inside. I've watched it. I've watched it make you, it'll make you want to read your Bible. You remember when you came and God gave you the Holy Ghost? You didn't want to miss church. You wanted to read your Bible every night. You wanted to pray and say, God, why? Because it's the anointing. That makes the difference. It's not methodical. It's not religiosity. It's an experience with God. That's why I'm here. 
Janessa, that's why you weep and cry when you're in the presence of God. It's God. It's the presence of God. It's not emotion. It's the Lord moving on your life. Somebody shout with me. The anointing makes the difference. I don't preach like this because I think it looks good. But Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. I feel something brewing on the inside, working on the outside. And he said, take me to Saul. Saul heard, hey, there's somebody talking about killing Goliath, want to fight the giant. Do you know that not one time did he ever say the word giant? Not one time did he ever look at the enemy that was nine and a half foot tall, the champion, the biggest thing they ever fought, and say, giant, not one time. The only thing he could see is that's an uncircumcised Philistine that's defying the armies of God and God's hands up on me and there's nothing too big for me to conquer. It will give our young people faith. It'll give you courage. It'll cause you to want to stand holy and pure. It'll make young people want to be virgins until they're no matter the opposition that's against them. It'll cause them want to say no to immorality. Why? Because they've got something on the inside that gives them power to do great things on the outside. I know I'm stirred tonight, but can you feel what I feel in the room? It's the anointing. It's the presence of God. And Saul says, you, I hear you want to fight Goliath. He knows who you are. Because you're the one that when he's dealing with an evil spirit, every time you play your instrument, the spirit, the evil spirit would leave you. Don't you want to have a church service so powerful that demons flee? Suicide devils leave. Come on, oppression has to go. People during praise and worship get delivered. I'm telling you, it's here right now. You could pray tonight and every person in the room that needs a healing could be healed. Doesn't have to be me. You don't have to be the pastor to be used of God. You just have to have a relationship with God to be used of You just have to be anointed. Anointed. Boldness. I feel boldness. I want all the young people to come up here with pastor. Run, run up here. Even if you think you're young. I believe in you. Hand of the Lord is upon you. You don't have to buckle to the pressures of society. This is outstanding. Go ahead, just spread out a little bit. He's going to pray for you and the Holy Ghost is going to fall on you. You watch and see. If you want it, you can have it. When I got the Holy Ghost, maybe want to read the Bible. Pray every night. Before that, I can't say such. But afterwards, Jilly, it made me fall in love with church. Fall in love with the things of God. It's called grace. Everybody said the grace of God. He said, I'll go fight. I'll take it on. I'll take on the challenge for the nation. I'll be a difference maker. What are you going to fight with? Hold on, let me find it. It's just a slingshot. They're right there make a pretty good slingshot probably. I'm ready to look for something else for them to use for, aren't you? Oh, I got the slingshot. 
what makes you think that that's going to work? You need my sword. You need my armor. He put his armor on him and buckle your knees a little bit. I mean, he, he probably went down about eight inches when he put his armor on. Saul's armor, head and shoulders taller than anybody in the kingdom. Put the armor on, sleeves hanging down like that. He said, King, I've never proved these. But let me use what I have proven. I'm not wanting to fight Goliath because I'm a novice. I wanted to fight him because I've proven some things in my prayer time. Can I say there's nothing in the pulpit I do different than what I do in my prayer time? Nothing different. What works in prayer works in ministry. Just let me add it. I've heard enough of his big mouth. I'm sick of what he's doing to our young people. I'm sick of what he's doing to our city. I'm sick of what he's saying about our church. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm sick of what's happening to families. I'm sick. Let me add it. There was something in him. There's something in him. The Bible says he ran toward Goliath. And when he did, he runs down. Gotta run. He stops in the flow, get down the brook. He pulls up five smooth stones. Five smooth stones. He has a shepherd's bag. That'd be good enough for right there. Put four of them in there. Put one in you. Put one in the in this. Let me show you how to use this. It's sort of like that. You have a I never knew this mask could be so useful. They would put it right down in there. Gotta have stone. And then you grab two ends of it. And then you release one of them. And it causes it. So you got four in your pocket. Put that one smooth stone you have. Put it down in there. All right. And he runs toward Goliath. He runs. He runs. He's not afraid. He's running to the challenge God's put before him. He's not afraid. The passion is in him. He's not thinking about dying. He's thinking about winning. He's not thinking about losing. He's not thinking about failing. He's thinking about conquering. You know why? Because when you get anointed, fear leaves and faith becomes embodied in your spirit. Come here. I want all of you to look at me. Everybody in the room. The reason sometimes we're hesitant to live for God because we're afraid of failing. We don't want to commit because we're afraid we're going to make a mistake. We're going to backslide. We're going to do this. Let me tell you something. If you can just get in the presence of God, fear will leave and faith will be embodied. Fear. Take your hands like this, everybody in the building. Fear. Faith. When faith comes in, it pushes out fear. When fear comes in, it pushes out faith. You can't have them both at the same time. What is the opposite of hate? Everybody in the world would say love, but it's not, but it's fear. Because the Bible says, perfect love casteth out all fear. And because he's anointed, and because he knows the Lord is a shepherd, and because he feels the anointing of God, it's not my time unless it's my time. God's gonna take this enemy out of my life. We're about to set a nation free. And you know what he begins to say? He said, Goliath, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a shield. Won't you say that? You come to me? You gotta preach it. I need a microphone. Where, I think there's one right here. You see? Hey, can you hand me that, Caleb? You gotta say what I say. I want you to say it. I want you're, you're, you're looking out there. Ready? You come to me. You've come to me. With a spear. With a spear. A sword. A sword. And a shield. And a shield. But I come against you. But I come against you. In the name. In the name. Of the Lord. Of the Lord. Of hosts. Of hosts. 
he shouted it like a champion. What he was saying was this, Goliath, only thing you've got is a sword about that long, shield about that big, a spear about that tall. That's all you got. But I come against you. What you can't see is what's the problem. There's an army with you, with me, that you cannot number. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than, it's bigger than anything you've ever seen. I'm coming with an embodiment of angels that's gonna take you out and we will have victory. And he runs and he runs and he, he throws the sling. You gotta get the sling shut back in. And he throws it. When he does, one spot on the armor of Goliath is between his eyes. I believe when it left his, this is Aaron Bounds version. This is the AKB. This is not in the KJV, this is the AKB. I am convinced that Elijah, when the stone left his slingshot, God or an angel grabbed it. Y'all see a few years ago in Tel Aviv, Israel, when they were shooting bombs, the enemy said, we don't know what's happening, but they're, they're, they're changing route midair. You see that? And they knew God is with Israel. Back in the six day war, study it. The enemy saw angels among the Israeli soldiers because of his covenant to Abraham. And you think for one minute, Emily Coleman, that you're gonna step in faith with God and he leave you by yourself? Not one day. It'll be a cold day in hell before God ever leaves you by yourself. Because when you walk toward him, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you even until the end of the world. I'm not letting you walk with me. For me by yourself, I am with you. I'm convinced that the angel or God grabbed that stone and with a punch like you've never seen, shoved that stone in the Goliath's forehead and he tumbled before thousands of the enemy, before thousands of the people of God that has stopped praising him because of fear what the enemy said he's gonna do. You can't stop this. Listen, the devil's gonna say a bunch of things it's like a yapping dog on a freight train. He's not gonna stop this group from doing something amazing. Do you believe it? 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 How many of you believe God's got a something in motion right here? Nothing in hell. Ain't no devil in hell gonna stop it. This young man's gonna pray. But before we do, I want every head bowed, every eye closed, and I want you to say right now, oh God of heaven, sorry for living in doubt and I'm sorry for living in fear I'm sorry God for questioning my ability when I should not lean on my understanding but in all my ways I should acknowledge you and you will direct my path and if you direct my path you will not let me go alone but you will lead me and you will guide me every step of the way so tonight, I'm asking for a renewing. Tonight, I'm asking God for a revival in my heart. I'm asking for a revival in my mind. I'm asking for a revival in my family. I'm asking you, God, to do in me what only you can do in me. For you're the God 
then I'm not. I'm just a believer that needs you in every way in my life. Come on, right now, I want you to pray. I want you to pray in this room. God, I want to feel you. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving in here. I want you to, I want you to lift your hands. Everybody in the building, lift your hands. The Spirit of the Lord is moving. I want you to tell God, I want to feel you right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I want you to begin to praise Him. I know you're God. I can feel you right now upon me. I know that you're in this room even now. I pray that you would move. You would heal. I pray that God, you would do a work in us. I pray that you would touch everybody in the room right now to stir their heart, their life, and their mind. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This young man's gonna pray for you. Y'all ready? I want you to open your hands like this. I want you to tell God, I want what you have for me tonight. In Jesus' name. Go ahead, pray for him, Brother Noah. The Lord, the hand of the Lord's upon you. You go ahead, pray from your heart. Oh God, I thank you for your spirit that's here, Lord. I thank you for moving in the way that you've been moving tonight. God, there's boldness in this house tonight, Lord, and I feel you, oh God. Lord, I pray that you would touch every heart tonight. I pray that you would touch every young person, oh God. I pray that you would move on us, Lord, and I pray that you would baptize us with the spirit of boldness and courage, oh God, to preach the words you've given us to preach. God, I pray that you would stir every heart tonight. I pray that you would soften every hardened heart, oh God. I pray that you would tug on every lost and dying heart tonight. God, I pray that you would move in only a way that you can move, oh God, for you are God and I am not. God, I trust in you. I believe in you, God. I believe in revival. I believe in a revival in this city. Oh, God, I pray that you would anoint, oh, God, the young people here tonight. Oh, God, send us forth into our schools, oh, God, in this community, into our families, oh, God. And I pray that you would use us in a mighty way. Use us, oh, God, to reach for the lost hearts, oh, God, and the dying people in our world. God, I pray that you would use us in a mighty way, oh, God. Oh God, use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. God, tug us. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.